Welcome to Shareholder Q&A, our production GORCOM, in which we take questions from shareholders and then ask them the CEOs to answer. Uh, with us today, needs no introduction, guys. Steve McCauley, CEO, Empower Clinics, trades on the CSE under CBDT. For our friends of the U.S., EPWCF, and for our friends of Europe, 8EC. Uh, normally, I do a preamble if it was an interview for the general public, but this is a shareholder Q&A. You know what the company's all about, and Steve's going to go over it anyways. Steve, welcome back. Hey, George, thank you for having me on. Always uh, enjoy the chance to see you and, and talk to our good shareholder base. Yep, and, uh, and we've got some great questions from them today. Obviously, this is, uh, this is one that's going to be watched more than most, and that's hard to believe because they're all watched by the thousands. But before we get into the questions, today you put out a press release demonstrating your strength. Uh, we don't need to go over the details because we read those, but what I'd love to hear from you is, how strong is the company financially, operationally, and its growth prospects? How are you feeling today? Well, I mean, it's it's fundamentally uh, just in great shape. It's in the best shape it's ever been in by uh, leaps and bounds. Um, we have been so fortunate to have a consistent run in uh, converting these warrants in. There's been a lot of excitement from our shareholders. And, and that's translated directly into cash in, in our accounts. And, and we've crossed well through uh, 10.5, uh, received already. We'll, we're gonna blow through 11 million here um, you know, in the next you know, few days, frankly. And that's just giving us such a strong base to work with. Uh, because we've had so much extra cash flow, it was also appropriate to be able to do some balance sheet work and tidy up some long-term debt from some early investors that were back in the Priveco. And we really appreciate their support um, all these years, but it was time for us to you know, close that off our books. So <clears throat> that's going to position us in an even better way with our balance sheet going forward to continue to evolve. Now, operationally, uh, you know, things are just great. We, you know, Kai Medical Laboratory um, are doing tremendous uh, are doing a tremendous amount of things. Um, their specimen processing rates are continuing to increase on a sort of average daily rate. Uh, the new Kai saliva tests, our first shipments arrived to Canada uh, on Friday afternoon. Um, we're already distributing those to potential distribution partners like our pharmacy partners or grocery store chains uh, because there's a lot of excitement here in Canada for that home-based saliva test kit. That's great. Um, yeah. And the other side is, uh, you know, what's happening with our Canadian clinic acquisition. So we that again, I, I couldn't be happier about how that's progressing. We've got um, the three new locations that uh, have been announced or are, are, uh, that work is commencing now. We're working very closely with our partners on that. And we've got, you know, a pipeline that we'll be announcing very soon. And we're just getting into this rhythm of doing new LOIs. Because uh, what we do in our rhythm is we, we do a, a specific LOI. It's a templated LOI that we've already agreed on, uh, but each location is different. It has different square footage. It has different rental rates. It might have different tenants improvement components, you know, whatever the case may be. So we do binding letter of intent. We uh, then recruit our physicians for that location. In the meantime, we're doing the lease agreement and starting whatever construction might be needed and setting that ribbon, ribbon cutting date, you know, ahead, um, you know, usually sort of four to six weeks from that time period. And then we're starting to see patients. So 
this is our kind of new rhythm um, for our Canadian marketplace. And we anticipate that this is going to be our rhythm for many quarters and years to come as we continue to scale the healthcare footprint in Canada. The, the 30 clinics is, uh, I'm treating more like a phase one. I don't think that's your cap, but some people have been asking, we're talking, how long do you think, and I'm not trying to stick you to a precise projection, but how long do you think it'll take uh, to get to the first 30 clinics and then keep moving from there and accelerating from there? Yeah, so, cool. I mean, I mean, if uh, boy, I would say, you know, if I look at the outlook on kind of quarter by quarter by quarter, I mean, we, we've got the possibility of, of really having, you know, eight through 10, you know, kind of identified letters of intent kind of underway as we're getting uh, through to the end of the first quarter going into the start of the second quarter. Then it's probably reasonable for us to see that, you know, those types of volumes um, are going to continue coming to us each quarter. So quarter over quarter through the year, we're going to be in various stages of letter of intent, build out, opening, and then steady state managing patients. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely possible for us to have that count of 30, you know, in whatever stage, you know, as we get through 2021. And then, you know, we'll kind of have a rhythm of, you know, what we can actually deal with because uh, we will reach a sort of a, a state where you're going to have a certain level of capacity, um, whether that's the upfront part in construction or recruitment or, you know, grand opening and, and kind of steady state. So we're, we're getting that rhythm down and, and Dr. Jordan and Dr. Aviv are, are getting comfortable with that kind of rhythm with our partners. And uh, I think, you know, we, we all need to be pretty optimistic about how it looks because I can tell you on the ground, um, operationally, our divisions, um, are doing great. We're generating cash and um, we've got a, a nice uh, uh, balance sheet and bank balance to work with. Um, so long-term prospects, I think are solid, really solid. And I'm going to ask you if it's okay for 30 seconds, how's the relationship with Rexall? Because sometimes you have small cap company, big corporation, and they're a disconnect. We're seeing the mining world. We see it everywhere. If you can maybe characterize it, and I know you don't like to talk about this stuff too much because you have that respect for the corporate, you know, uh, hierarchy, but how does how the relationship? Yeah, I describe it as, as you know, the best it's ever been. Um, I, I work uh, closely uh, with their executive team. Uh, we've worked with them this week, uh, you know, met with their president last week one-on-one -on -one to really solidify sort of, you know, executive to executive, you know, president to CEO, um, where we are and, and kind of what our program looks like going forward. So again, without, you know, sort of, uh, again, respecting the boundaries of their corporate environment, right. um, you know, uh, I can characterize things as in, in great shape, um, you know, from a relationship standpoint. So um, uh, they're definitely happy and excited. We, of course, are happy and excited, and we're looking forward to deploying our resources for what's going to be a tremendous initiative. And, and I, I want everybody to understand the impact of what's going on. You know, we're talking about impacting the lives of Canadians in the communities where they live. And, and that is a very important uh, responsibility. Now, the business side of it, the business and the economics, we've, we've really got that figured out. We understand how to manage physicians and we, and we know how to do it in a profitable manner. Um, but I'm excited for you know, just the impact that we can make to local communities. And I think our partners you know, feel that that's one of the most important features for them also. And that's not a surprise, right? I mean, 
I, I was I was pounding the table the fact that you're Six Sigma certified from the first day we met. And a lot of people didn't even know who Empower was, didn't know who you were, and certainly didn't know what Six Sigma went. But now they get it. In fact, we see it all over bulletin boards everywhere, right? Six Sigma, Steve. So that doesn't surprise me at all that you've got this down now too. Uh, yeah, you know this. What you know, optimized I, I, process. Yeah. So, and and actually, optimization is exactly the the right word. It's it's, it's really, you know, operational optimization um, of all of our processes. We we have to find the best and most efficient um, way to operate for sustain for sustainability. Um, you know, this we have to be able to, you know, obviously negotiate up front, design design a relationship. But then we have to start to take the steps to implement and then uh, one step, one step, one step. So the, the concept of Six Sigma, and, and if, you, if you look up anything uh, related to Six Sigma, you'll see an acronym called DMAIC, uh, D-M-A-I-C. So it's Define, Measure, Analyze, Improve, Control. And, and that's the, uh, the underlying uh, you know, foundation of Six Sigma itself. So I'm excited to you know, bring some of that to bear uh, with, with our operational teams. Um, I would certainly expect at some point that we'll literally bring more Six Sigma resources to our public company um, to uh, really help um, our physicians and our, our operational team make sure that we are um, uh, operating with the best and most efficient processes that we possibly can. They, and you may be hiring on shareholders at that point because we see some shareholders mention the fact that they're taking Six Sigma courses and <laughs> you may be hiring shareholders at some point, but that's good. And you know, Steve, what's amazing here is that if you just had the lab and nothing else, that's a company maker. And you've announced that you're, first you announced that you're doubling, now you announce that you're tripling capacity. Yeah. So we've got to assume that things will great at the lab, we'll wait for further information or financials, but the, that, that's the, that's the uh, obviously that's what people think, right? Uh, well, well it is. I mean, you know, we this again going back to sort of operational um, uh, efficiencies. Um, we cannot be efficient at Kai Medical under its current size of operations with its number of people. We need to hire good quality people for a whole host of roles um, within Kai Medical. We've got the uh, imminent launch of our. Um, kaitest.com website. Um, so, you know, we're anticipating uh, to potentially push that live tomorrow uh, without marketing spend, um, but certainly, uh, so as an example, I myself personally yesterday uh, bought two test kits uh, on kaitest.com. It's password protected right now, but we needed to test the program. We needed to test different credit cards. We needed to test the entire, you know, email confirmation system. So it all worked beautifully i was very pleased so much so that i've given them the green light to punch it live um hopefully tomorrow and um kind of all of us you know investors followers would have the opportunity to go you know take it for a test drive and um so we can get some more sort of live you know qa uh, on the site before we turn on you know the nationwide marketing dollars so well, i've got family vacationing that had they had to go away so uh, I know they're going to be ordering. As soon yeah, so as it's can, a perfect. It's a perfect example of, of of how you how to best utilize it. You know the the executive travel orders. You know really have worked into our favor. Um, and could the, but that 
product being a home-based, you know, self-administered product, and I can take it with me in my suitcase when I'm going, or, you know, if, if you're, you're, you're already traveling and you're in the U.S., as an example, uh, you go ahead and order it um, and in anticipation of that 72-hour window that starts when you need to get back on your plane. So before we move on to shareholder questions and, and addressing the one elephant in the room, obviously, we're going to want to talk about your job as a CEO is you don't live in the present. You're always looking down the road. You're, you're, if, it's, if it's March the 4th, you're already living on June 4th, October 4th. You're, you're living quarters down the road. Assuming everything goes fine, everything stays as lane, nothing goes perfect. That's not what we're asking for. But if everything just goes according to plan now that you've got laid out, where is the company? How does the company look 12, 24 months from now? You know, the, the outlook is really good. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to work from, you know, this base of stability um, compared to what we were working with previously as we were trying to improve the message, improve the business model, execute on opportunities. Working from a basis of having uh, a much stronger balance sheet, a much better market cap, um, divisions that are really pulling their weight um, you know, now allows me to um, support that with um, other accretive acquisitions, um, research and development, uh, hiring in, you know, key people to advance different sections and different divisions, striking up new partnerships. So long term, I feel great about it because remember what we're doing, like these healthcare divisions or the healthcare centers, you know, these are built for long term. You know, this, this is not a short-term, near-term revenue strategy. This is, once you've got them, they're there for you quarter over quarter, year over year, over year, over year, over year. You know, um, we can depend on that revenue. We can depend on that free cash flow. And we can depend on the fact that we'll have, you know, many hundreds or potentially thousands of employees. We will have literally access to wow. millions of patients, right? And... What we're doing on Kai Medical is far beyond a current COVID-19 strategy. We are certainly taking advantage of our capabilities right now, but we're building for a national brand and we're building for a diversified portfolio of testing products, not just COVID-19 testing products. Um, and so we've got a, a real strategy coming together uh, on the Kai Medical division, and uh, we'll be looking forward to updating the market further. Uh, we're excited about KaiTest.com, and I'm equally excited about you know partnerships with you know other pharmacy partners and, and, and distribution partners because I think that the Kai okay. Saliva Test Kit is ideally suited to be on the shelves of a pharmacy or a grocery store. You just got to slide that in there. Other pharmacy partners, other distribution partners. Okay, I guess I can't ask specifics on that. Obviously, yeah, but, but there's there's look there's 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 really positive feedback from a variety of uh, distribution type partners um, that are, you know, have many millions of Canadian customers, loyal customers, again, in the communities where they operate. Um, that is, you know, pretty ideal situation, I believe, as another distribution point for uh, this home-based uh, saliva test. All right. And I just want to make one comment uh, that in your, with your financials, you mentioned that you retired debt. One thing a lot of people don't realize, because I see it all the time, you could easily retire that debt by issuing stock, 
easily, painless. And I think 95% of CEOs, that's what they do. They go, oh, I'll just issue stock against that debt and I can just keep my cash. The fact that you actually paid, paid off that debt in cash, for me, for seasoned investors, says a lot. It means you're not overly concerned with hoarding your cash because you don't know if any more is going to be coming in. Uh, and a lot of small caps. So that's just one of those, you know, beacons I want to point out to, to, to shareholders that, that that spoke pretty loudly to me that you're really confident in your current cash position and, and sure and cash position. Yeah. And, and you're right. And I, you know, this was not a, um, a flippant decision. Um, it wasn't an overnight decision. This was um, a very thoughtful decision that was based on really us understanding what the uh, inflow of warrant conversion funds looked like um, offset against uh, cash that's being generated in our operations. You know, you know, to be, everyone must be mindful of the fact that you know, we have revenue producing divisions generating uh, profits uh, each day, paying for employees, paying our overhead, um, supporting itself uh, in these development plans. Uh, that is overlaid by the cash reserves that we have that I'm very careful about. I'm, I'm careful about how we utilize that cash. And then finally, you know, we ultimately know that we have strong investment banking support and access to growth capital as required. Uh, but again, we're being very thoughtful about that as well um, and not necessarily rushing, um, but you know, we will you know, we'll obviously update everybody um, on any events that do come come up. But uh, as I look at our landscape overall and what our needs are, you know, I certainly feel very good about the base that we're working with. And, and that, you know, isn't maybe reflected each day for shareholders if you're concerned about volatility on a, on a daily, you know, market, um, which, and I'm very concerned about it as well, and we pay close attention. But if you consider where we are in terms of just business fundamentals as a company, um, we are in, in super solid ground right now. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Share yeah. price activity. Obviously that's something that's top of mind of everybody. Um, give us your comments and, and we're not looking for, and for everyone at home, Steve can't give price projections and those, but what are your comments about the activity? Uh, and do you have any concerns? Uh, you know, long-term concerns about what's going on? Well, long, long-term long concerns I don't have. Um, Short-term volatility happens. Uh, we, boy, we're paying a lot of attention to it. We, we, have, a, uh, we have a great army of uh, supportive followers out there and, and I'm grateful for everybody. Uh, we get a lot of feedback and comments. I, I understand uh, the nervousness. I understand the trepidation uh, that a, a particular shareholder might, might have. Um, it's much more fun to you know watch the stock blow through two dollars and 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 everybody's high fiving each other. Uh, but there are often market corrections that are are out of our control. Uh, broader markets have been off as well, and I think that's yeah. had an impact. Um, so you know it's not just about us, especially um, Nasdaq, the tech side, the risk. Well, the exactly, risk Nasdaq particularly uh, had a, a tough go late last week, and and also in this week again. And from home, it's off ten percent, including today. The Nasdaq is off ten percent of highs, which is not a, a crash or like that, but we're in risk-off mode, right? You and I, Steve, know what that means. Sometimes you're in risk-on mode. Market seems to be in a little bit of risk-off mode. Yeah, it does. For now, it, yeah, it does. And so, you know, we 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 had some disappointing catalysts that probably didn't help um, the cause, um, but 
you know, we, we are doing, uh, there's some things that we can do, which is bring market support um, to kind of help push back, um, uh, you know, keep the pressure on, support the, the buy side um, so that we can, you know, kind of come through this time. So we've absolutely activated, uh, you know, support and, um, you know, we will just, you know, we will, our commitment is to keep up with the good news, the story, uh, the execution of transactions, the, the growth initiatives, and I'll continue to talk to um, our good shareholder base, you know, often, uh, as often as I can, and, and communicate with as much transparency as I possibly can um, to provide reassurance that we're here. Uh, I'm not backing down. Uh, we're not going to shy away from um, tough situations or tough conversations or, or taking or making decisions that are difficult and taking action uh, if it's so deemed. Uh, so, you know, but everybody should know I'm, I'm aware we're watching it as close as everybody else is. Um, but we also have a day job to do, which is to build a great company. Uh, so we can't lose sight of that. And that's how you ultimately get this done. And I'm going to add in, if you don't mind, Stephen, and actually maybe you should first, but as a general rule of thumb, when you're investing, we're not talking about empire right now. As a general rule of thumb, when, when you're investing for wealth in growth stocks, you're going to go through periods of tribulation, no matter what. Look at Tesla. Look at any of the great technology growth stocks of the last decade. Man, they have had some roller coaster rides, right? But if you don't judge a company by its stock price, either when it's really high and say it's the best company in the world, or it's come down and say it's the worst company in the world, if you continue to judge it strictly by what it is doing and whether it's on plan, that's how you stay in a company and that's how you create generational wealth. But you tell me your thoughts on that. And I think everyone would rather hear what you have to say. Well, I, th I think you're completely accurate. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it, it stings at the time, that's all. And, um, you know, so if you take myself as an example, I, of course, love seeing our stock flying high, uh, but I'm, I'm a, just a net holder anyhow. You know, so it, it kind of just, it, it, for me, it's maybe a little bit different um, because my view is absolutely of that long-term position on it. You know, where, what is the intrinsic value going to be years from now when we find ourselves on bigger markets and we have broader exposure to, you know, the, the large U.S. shareholder base and international investment community? You know, what do we look like then? Yeah. And that's what, that's what I have in my mind, other than the distractions of having to deal with the noise of the day, sure. um, which, you know, I'm just, you know, it's part of the job and I accept it and, uh, and I'm prepared to work through it. Um, I'm, I'm not a person who's going to stick my head in the sand and avoid, you know, these uh, difficult, you know, uh, difficult days. Uh, but from a, a long-term perspective, which is where my head is noise. at. Um, you know, I, I look to, I think about that. I dream about those points in time uh, and work towards those points in time because you don't get there magically. It, it, you get there with hard work. You, you get there with real strate strategic and a planning approach. Uh, you get there by working smart. Um, you know, no one's going to outwork me or outwork our company. Um, you, you, everybody has that commitment from us. I think everybody knows how, how uh, the long hours that I work and the late nights that, that we go. Um, 
because yeah, it's I've important. Been on midnight calls, getting stuff done quite yeah. a bit. I know exactly what your work ethic is. That's yeah. for sure. So, you know, it, it takes all of that to get through this and it takes all of it to, you know, build the kind of company that we want to build. Uh, but we're doing it and everybody must be assured that we are doing it every day. And, you know, the, the great shareholder value is, is, is already here. I mean, goodness, look, you know, if, if you, if we, if we wind back, I don't know, three or four months uh, of time and, and, and we told everybody, you know, we're going to be, you know, a, a dollar stock, you know, uh, in the first quarter, um, everybody be high-fiving nonstop. Yeah, yeah um, of course. So we just, we just kind of set the bar uh, a little higher than we even thought it would get to. So it's almost like we have this kind of new expectation of, of what, um, of where we're going, but, you know, this stuff takes time. Um, and, uh, but we're proving to ourselves, we're proving to the market that we have the right to uh, start to be in this, these types of valuations and, and stay there and grow. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll give a quick 15 second recent anecdotal evidence uh, as for everyone at home. Uh, one, of our, one of our recent big investments is an esports entertainment group that's on the, on the NASDAQ now. But we started with that at $2 a share and we had highs and lows, highs and lows. And trust me, we had we had times like this right now. We had times like this, uh, where because sometimes the market does what it's going to do. Today, Nasdaq twenty four dollars a share hit that high. You know, sitting at twenty dollars or so now. As long as you know that the company is doing the right thing and it's on plan, then you hate times like this, but it doesn't shake you. And I'm not saying that as investment advice for Empower. Everyone at home has got to decide that on their own, but that's how I've always done it. And that's how, that's what creates incredible wealth when you don't get, you don't, you don't get distracted. So with that in yeah. mind, let's yeah. get to some questions, Steve. Yeah, you bet. Um, first one is from, uh, I've got Omer Power and Mike Banning. I'm going to kind of combine them. Uh, hello, Steve. According to shortdata.ca, there are approximately 45 million shares against Empower, shorted against Empower. Uh, can you give us insight and actions that are being taken against this short attack? Keep up the great work. But Mike just added this in, added in, says, in last night's interview with Landon, you stated that the short position is not 45 million shares as reported by shortdata.ca, but significantly lower. Um, maybe you could reconcile uh, those two statements and, and what the company may or may not be doing about sure. it. Sure. So our, our source of information, um, so I... With all of this going on, I actually called the regulators yesterday, um, which is, is IROC, and had a conversation with them just to say, look, our, you know, you should be aware, um, you know, this, uh, something, you know, is happening. Um, and, you know, can you give me some guidance on um, getting access to data? You know, what information do you see? Do, you know, do you, do you have tools at your disposal that we don't have? So IROC publishes a bi-weekly short position report. The last report that's available is February 22nd. There's a new one coming. Uh, the short position as quoted on Empower at that date was 2.5 million shares or something around that nature. Um, I commented to the regulator that we're hearing that there's, you know, as much as a uh, 40 million uh, short position, uh, he started looking at it like right then and there. And he just said, I don't, I just don't see that. And the, uh, his comment back to me was, you know, if, if we saw numbers like that, you know, we, we would, you know, we would be concerned also. Uh, it just seems out of scale. So 
the, the source of the information, you know, I, I just don't know, you know, that, that sort of full number. Uh, but from a regulator standpoint, I've called it to their attention. I've asked them to look into it. I don't know whether we'll get a response from them or not. They don't make a commitment that way. Uh, but we certainly are, you know, doing our own investigations uh, just to make sure that we understand uh, if there are any sort of market forces that are impacting us uh, negatively that really shouldn't be happening. Um, and, uh, you know, and again, any more, any further information that I, I get that I can share, I'll, I'll absolutely share it with our, with our audience. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Jay Gao, what do you think has caused the recent drop in your share price? I'm not sure. Are we under attack by short sellers? And did you announce any bad news recently? No, no bad news. With yourself. Uh, no, no, you no know. bad, no bad news to announce. Um, uh, it, it certainly appears, uh, you know, appears or feels like, you know, some, some sort of, uh, some sort of attack of some sort. Um, and then, you know, maybe momentum, you know, you know, people for whatever reason get nervous about the stock, but they shouldn't be nervous about the company. So, uh, uh, you know, just unfortunately, it's, it's kind of a, a combination of a bunch of things like that, that are, that have happened. Uh, you know, we're, again, we're pushing back, we're, 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 mobilizing, you know, sort of, uh, sort of buying support to, um, to help sort of soak up uh, any selling that might show up at a particular point in time during a trading day. And, and hopefully that starts to, you know, get this turned around. Um, and, you know, anybody on short positions, if the stock is going up, you know, they're, they're going to disappear from that position. So we're, we're hopeful that some of that momentum will come back our way. Yeah, always remember, Short positions are just listen to the name, right? Short. It's short term. They're not around forever. Yeah. You know, so uh, how long? Can't say, but they're they're not they're not around forever, that's for sure. Enderby asks, he he or she did some calculations, said that there's been about a hundred million dollars in market cap losses. Do you think that a hundred million dollars uh, is an immaterial amount of money for this company? Uh, and was was it a case of the rise of 250 was mismanaged by management or the market maker, or is it the drop mismanaged by management or the market maker? I know the answer to that, but you know. Uh. <laughs> well, uh, the, the the rises up are, are not controlled by me or the company. Um, the falls are not controlled by me or the company either. Um, you know, we're not, we just don't, we're not in the position to, to influence it that way. What, what we can control is our own performance. What we can control are, is our execution. What we can control um, are doing accretive transactions and we can control um, uh, notifying our followers and, and being transparent and communicating regularly and often so everybody fully understands what's going on and then can make their own investment decisions. Um, so the, the concept of did it uh, fall too quickly um, or, or, or the, the question was, was $100 million of market cap decline, you know, is it a problem? So it's, it's not a problem in the sense that it affects my balance sheet today or it affects my, my operations today. Um, the, the impact really only would be felt if you were actually doing a financing and right. uh, it had a potential impact to either uh, reduce your valuation on the terms of your financing, or you may decide to 
do a lower financing because you don't want the extra dilution at a certain price point. So it doesn't, you know, optically, you don't like to see it, that share price and market cap, you know, come down, uh, but it doesn't impact, you know, what we're doing each day in our operations, you know, today, where we sit, again, because we've got a really nice position with our, with our balance sheet and our operational sort of strength. Yeah, that's the great part. You're not, this isn't damaging the company that way. No. And there is some talk about who's the market maker of this stock, uh, uh, who's the market maker for the stock of this company. I think it's important for people at home to realize that the job of a market maker, if there is one, is not to take your share price up or anything like that. The job of the market maker is just to make sure there's an orderly market. Yeah, There isn't a massive imbalance where the bid is 10 cents and the ask is $3. Right. That's the job of the market maker to create an orderly market. It's the same as is the New York stock, the floor of the New York stock exchange as it is on the CSE. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah. That's just yeah. it's a scale difference. That's all. Yeah. But we uh, people at home shouldn't have the uh, and it's OK that we're correcting that. But, you know, the job of the market maker is not to protect the price and move it up. It's for them to right. create and uh, 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 get rid of imbalances. Correct. Mike Banning, uh, he brings up something here that's I've seen this on the boards also. So I want to ask you this because I've seen it. I think we need to address it. The Q&A is great and all, but it's not going to alleviate the short attack. You need to release concrete news. Have you thought about providing weekly test metrics like some startup tech companies do? Um, what I, I, I see this mantra for the need for news. And I point out to people the need for news were 65 days into the new year. Go take a look at the news that's already been released. You know, yeah. what do you have to say, shareholders, about you need to release concrete news? Well, I, I think that we do a pretty good job of it, quite frankly. Um, you know, we're we're very thoughtful about um, news. A, a press release, for the sake of a press release, you know, isn't really a good pattern to get into. Um, you know, we don't want to be known for sort of fluffy news. Um, you know, we're working on lots of transactions. We're working on opening our healthcare centers. We're working on, on RFPs and bids for, you know, public sector and private sector through Chi Medical. Um, you know, I can't control exactly when deals get done. I can't control, you know, a government bid or an airport, you know, RFP and, and when they will respond to us. You know, we, we just have to work, you know, by play by their rules or, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, to the extent that, you know, something pops, you know, by rule, you know, we need to announce it, you know, by the next business day, like we, we know how it works. Um, but we, you know, we're, we're trying to get into, you know, a fairly consistent rhythm and not, not even trying, we, we are in a consistent rhythm. Of oh, yeah, providing, I, think, I think so. Providing news. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. And sometimes certain news items are bigger than others. Uh, that's just, the, the, you know, not everything can, is going to be a giant home run piece of news. Yeah, that's please. that's impossible. Um, there's a lot to be said for news that says, you know what, things are nice and steady. Operations are good. Um, you know, uh, th that's also very valuable, right? So, uh, you know, I guess that's how I respond. You know, Mike is uh, is a is a strong, is a great follower. Um, I, I get some uh, messages from time to time, and we see him on on the Agoracom board. So. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, we will uh, continue to think about how we can how we can report KPIs, you know, going forward, um, and what are those regular KPIs that we are allowed to report? Because 
we, we also uh, you run the risk of running afoul of uh, the concept of providing guidance and, and aspects like that. So there's, there's, there are just some situations where, you know, my hands are tied, you know, I've got to operate, we've got to operate within the rules um, and not, uh, not come under scrutiny. I got to say the cadence of the Empower press release has been fantastic. So on the lab side, you know, acquire the lab, new contract for the lab, record revenues for the lab, we're expanding the lab. I think that cadence has been tremendous. Yeah. On the clinic side, I think that cadence has been tremendous. On the new product side, you know, the Kai saliva, first 5,000 were spoken for or another 25,000. Now we're applying in Canada. Then we were, then we got into Canada. I, I think the cadence has been, has been, yeah. has been great personally. Uh, and, and actually impressive from a business point of view because none of those were fluff. Like you said, there are significant milestones every time you announce. So I, I think you, you guys have been doing great. Craig Scott, 1500. Hi, Steve. Excellent job you and the team have done over such a short period of time. Thank you. What is the current status of the 25,000 rapid test kits that you purchased back in January? Can you share how many of that batch has been sold and has more been ordered due, anticipate, due to anticipated demand? Uh, so again, going back to the KPIs, I mean, we're, we're selling those kits. You know, we obviously have done our first shipments to Canada. The, the first shipments I did to Canada uh, were small quantities going to um, uh, Toronto, Ottawa, and Vancouver. And the reason I did small quantities is I needed to test Canada Customs and test Health Canada and make sure that uh, uh, they were going to let us get uh, our, our our kits into the country and uh, without a problem. Uh, so then we'll have a, a much set of larger shipments coming. Uh, the uh, kits are, are the the new saliva test kits are being used by our customers today, um, and all and and a lot of different types of customers. The um, from you know our different contracts, our commercial accounts. Um, we're including those in bids now uh, as well. And, you know, of course, we're, we're incredibly excited for uh, direct-to-consumer with KaiTest.com. I think it's going to be a great channel for us um, and bring really good exposure. The latter part of the question is, um, is, is a, the short answer is yes, we're, we're planning on uh, an additional um, upsized um, order to be placed. Uh, so we, we have to order the medical device um, and we get that shipped to our fulfillment center uh in uh in florida and uh it's there that the, the boxes are created um stuffed packaged you know boxed up ready for ready for sale so we're gonna go back into that cycle again to make sure that i don't want to run out of inventory and it's hard to forecast when you've got a newer product kind of how you um you know what your your uh, sales cycle you know will look like and, and what your your volumes look like um, but we do have, you know, we do have the working capital so we can afford to, you know, do a bigger order and, and make sure that our supply chain, you know, is, is stocked up accordingly. Now the test kit samples have arrived in Canada and you kind of alluded to this. So uh, earlier, curious to know how the discussions with potential private and public sector companies is going and initial thoughts and feedback. Yeah, so uh, all initial thoughts, and feedback from the various groups that I've spoken with um, have uh, been positive. Every single one of them wants a sample. Every, everybody wants to explore, is this possible? Uh, does this product set fit for us? If it does fit for us, how do we pilot that? 
what does point of sale look like? So these are all questions that each of the um, various groups, and I, I'm talking about groups from East Coast to West Coast and, and, and everything in between. Um, so we're just one, you know, we're happy to have the samples and the product here now. We provided all the technical specifications to the, the various groups that we're talking to. And uh, from here, it's uh, literally the first samples are in people's hands, you know, within the last couple of days. Uh, so uh, the feedback loop um, is definitely going to accelerate here over the next, um, next little while. And uh, let's let's see if we can get some pilot orders or you know pilot agreements in place, and um, and we'll also start to put them into our clinics too. You know, so there's no reason why we can't put them on the shelves there uh, and sell them to our good you know our patients who are coming in each and every day. What do you expect in terms of uh, timeline for responses? If you if you send samples to Georgecom, a potential distributor, uh, would it be fair to give them a couple of weeks? to test and get back to you well, or a few days. Well, I have no idea just to give yeah, people an I, indication I mean, of what you're thinking. Yeah, every, every, of course, every company's different, but sure. we're, we're dealing with a, um, a, a scenario here where it's a you know, very in-demand product and it's very uh, appropriate um, and in need uh, in our society today. So um, everybody is saying, look, we're going to turn this around quickly. Like we, we, we know that this, uh, could be a product that would, would, would be great for our customers, wherever they may be. And it could also be good for us as a brand and as a business. So I, this is not going to be, you know, a month from now, people are, you know, we're having to chase them. I, I think we're getting back our, um, our responses um, from, from the various uh, the various groups, you know, very quickly. So yeah, I and they're strongly motivated too, right? This is everybody's just, motivated. Hey, check out my new widget. Let me know what you think. There's a definitely everyone. Everyone's motivated across this entire correct chain. Correct. Correct. Uh, Kunster, what are the setbacks because of Dusting's resignation? Do you have a, a replacement in mind shortly? Uh, so you know, there there are no setbacks. Um, it is. Uh, it was something that we decided uh, together um, that uh, it would be best for Empower, um, best for uh, him as an individual, uh, his other other interests uh, that they would uh, he would like to pursue, and you know, given the circumstances um, and the, and the catalyst from a, uh, the past couple of weeks, uh, we felt uh, together it was it was the right. Uh, the right thing to do. It's the right message for um, our good shareholders. And it's important message also for the uh, rest of my team members. Um, the, uh, we will be uh, replacing uh, that director position um, very quickly. Um, we'll be announcing that in the, uh, the very, very near future. Uh, we're, we're working through candidates. Um, we, by rule, need to have that third director position uh, in place. So this is not something that uh, can wait any amount of time. Uh, so we will, uh, I'll update everybody um, in the very near future on that. And growth investor asks, because there are going to be a lot of people who may not understand that, even though you put out the press release on Monday. Can you explain the whole Dunstan Klein, Dustin Klein situation? And have you had talks with others about insider selling during this extreme growth phase of the company? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's a great question. So um, I can tell you specifically um, one of my internal responses um, to these events is um, the weekend following that time period, 
uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'd asked our securities lawyer to prepare uh, uh, an, an, a memo um, uh, on the policies of insider trading and our insider trading policy and, and everything related to that. Uh, that memo I then circulated to uh, the leadership team members uh, in the company, in, in the different divisions, as a mechanism to provide education, a forum to provide conversation, uh, that these topics um, are very real and can have a material impact uh, on our company um, and you know, if, if, if a problem, uh, it, it could and may result in, you know, up to and including termination. So, you know, I took steps immediately. Uh, there was no delay yeah. uh, whatsoever. And I felt it was serious enough that uh, a, a technical legal memo needed to be drafted. It was a 12 page memo um, uh, covering all of those policies that someone like myself, you know, I'm, I'm covered by as what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously deemed a registered insider. So um, uh, anyhow, so that, that was my, that was the response internally. Uh, I think it's uh, important as we scale, as we have more visibility, um, compliance, um, health and safety, um, policies, procedures, uh, as it relates to um, our company, to uh, our board of directors, our governance policies um, have to be um, have to be as tight. We have to operate like we're a Fortune 500 company. We have to operate now and behave now uh, like we're already on Nasdaq. You know, you you don't just snap your fingers and show up and say, "Oh gosh, we've got to create policy." We're a public company. We're, whether we're, you know, a $10 million market cap or a $10 billion market cap, you know, the policies and procedures and the rules are the same. Yeah. Uh, so we, if we want to be there and, and play in these big leagues, well, we better operate today like we want to be there. And so uh, we took this opportunity to really, you know, put a strong reminder out to our entire organization uh, that we take these matters very seriously. All right. And that was clear as day. And I think a lot of shareholders really appreciated that, uh, Stephen. Thanks for thanks for touching on that as well. Uh, Qtstar also had another question. What is the status of testing contract negotiations? So uh, I guess that's for Kai Lab. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked what's about the pipeline. I, if I had to more accurately say what's the pipeline there? Yeah, the, the, the pipeline is um, as as strong and deep as ever. It's actually very diverse now because we've We've been, we've been connecting ourselves to kind of public sector, private sector type scenarios. So whether it's, you know, you know we were having conversations with airlines and cruise lines and um, uh, travel bubbles and working with Loop Insights, you know, on joint initiatives. Um, you, know, uh, you know, we, we did the Dallas Market Center, you know, bid was a real fast one. It turned around very quickly and, and, and we got that. Um, and these other airport ones are working on and these new government bids are, are really intriguing. Uh, the US government is spending a great deal of money on these programs, yeah. uh, but it's very difficult to even qualify to even submit a bid. So we've been working on it for quite some time behind the scenes, but we've got a great partner that we're working with who's a specialist in US government bids. And we found a really nice kind of 
mechanism. And, you know, there are lots of opportunities out there. Not everyone fits us, uh, whether it's geographically, whether it's the type of services that uh, perhaps are requested, but there are many of them that are a fit. And I think that we have as much of a, uh, a right to be bidding on those as, as any of the big guns that are out there. Um, uh, and so, so we're taking a crack at them. Uh, so we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Uh, but we're, we're definitely, you know, really pushing the business development activity uh, because we want more growth. We've got capacity at the lab and we want to fill that capacity. Growth Investor had one more question. Actually, she's got a, another question about Rexall, but I'm going to include it with some questions further below. Does the reopening of Texas, interesting question, does the reopening of Texas and non-mandatory mask use negatively affect the quantity of tests at CHI? Does the reopening of Texas. So right now we don't have indicators that it, that it does. I mean, the indicators that we have uh, around the requirements for commercial testing, so companies getting back to work, um, employees getting back to work, that need for testing, you know, is still with us. Uh, the executive travel orders um, absolutely are, there's no correlation to, you know, Texas opening up. If you, you know, you, you want to try to travel out of the United States, um, you are going to have to get a, a, produce a negative COVID test or you're not getting on your plane. If you're trying to get back into the United States, you have to produce that negative COVID test. So the testing paradigm and, and structure that is now honest based on um, you know, the pandemic over the past year uh, is uh, everything points to it's going to continue in, in its form for a substantial amount of time. I'm going to say, in fact, it might even increase business. I'll tell you why. If I'm running a chain of restaurants now, George's Chicken, and they're all opening up again, uh, in order to protect my staff and the customers, I'm probably going to be doing more testing because yeah. the last thing I need is a couple of one employee infecting other employees. And then I can't even open now that finally is open. So that's right. That's just my theory. But I think it's going to increase testing substantially. Well, what, what it's also doing is we're seeing um, a almost like a diversification of, of the testing profile. So if we, if we take the full spectrum of testing from, you know, gold standard is a PCR test, you know, whether it's a, a nasal pharyngeal swab or, or it's a saliva test, it's still a PCR at the end of the day. Um, then you've got rapid antibody and rapid antigen, which are, we, we should categorize as screening and the PCR being the, the actual test that confirms your negative or your positive status. So we're seeing greater demand and use utilization of screening tools being rapid antigen and then rapid antibody. And we're seeing businesses, um, public sector, you know, hospitals, uh, clinics, whatever it might be, wanting to validate post-vaccination that someone actually does in fact have the antibodies. Um, because there's still a lot of questions about the uh, full efficacy, um, the amount of time that uh, there'll be full efficacy on the vaccine itself and that true, you know, what the effectiveness percentage will be. So we're, we're seeing indicators that um, rapid antibody tests may be deployed to in fact validate that someone, you know, is carrying uh, the, the actual antibodies. Um, and is, is in fact, um, 
their vaccination is working. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with rapid, but there's there's definitely a big uptick in in, in demand for rapid um, tests, and we're we're seeing uh, bids coming through for for those products as well. So it's not just about PCR; it's also about rapid uh, because of the, the need for screening going forward. Yeah, I think that's the more, the more open. I think the more testing is going to be required, more screening. I think all of that. Yeah, exactly. Is is, is going to happen. Uh, Ty Butch. Uh, hi, Steve. First off, congrats to you and your team with the Rexall deal and others with Kai Lab. Thanks for all the hard work you're all putting in, helping out with our COVID, with your COVID testing business plan, creating bubbles in all kinds of business to get rid, uh, to get the world working again. Healthier people means less money spent on our public health care systems. And I kind of condense that a little bit. To, so thanks for saying that, uh, Ty Butch. So the question is, uh, is your Rexall can agreement for your clinic rollout exclusive to them? If not, are you planning an expansion into the second biggest market in Canada being Quebec? Um, so, you know, we, we, uh, we, we don't uh, at this early stage um, have, you know, uh, contemplate any form of exclusivity um, with, with partners like that uh, to what what we intend to do is to is to prove ourselves, earn our way um, through the relationship and and the scaling of the relationship. That's that's the way that you start with big organizations. Um, you don't go from no relationship to you know a hundred percent, and uh, you it's it's a it's a process and it's a journey uh, based on meeting milestones and 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 achieving you know service level agreements. The question over Quebec is. Uh, you know, we've we've started some preliminary conversations with some uh, groups that are uh, stronger in the east, and uh, to your point, uh, Quebec is a, a second largest uh, market in the country, a market that we uh, would like to figure out how we can you know play a role in. Um, we obviously are starting our rollout right now in the um, province of Ontario on the health center side, uh, but we um, absolutely have sent samples of products to distribution partners. Um, that are based in Quebec, um, uh, for, and this, these are the Kai uh, saliva uh, test kit samples. Uh, so, you know, that may be kind of where some of our footprint might start in terms of generating business and revenue uh, in markets like Quebec and further east. Um, and he did, and by the way, it's Mark Boucher, because I see at the end, Mark Boucher or Ty Butch uh, asked, and you probably can't be specific, but I want to ask it, could Pharma Pri in Quebec, which is owned by Loblaws, or be a possible partner, or Jean Cachou. Um, I guess everyone can be a, a, a potential they're, partner. Yeah, yeah, they're absolutely. So, I mean, the, the short answer on that one is yes. And, and again, I just, you know, can't give, um, overly give guidance um, on, on what conversations are taking place. But all I can say is, uh, you know, it's, it's the very, you know, largest uh, organizations with a very diverse footprint you know, in throughout the communities in those markets. So Mark, great question. He then goes on to also ask, will the Kai test website come live? We already know that. We're hoping yeah. it might be pushed as early as tomorrow. Yeah. Best regards, all the best, and you all stay safe. I think it's really nice when people say yeah. something like Thank that. You. Yeah. Thank and you. And I'm sure he's saying that to everybody on, on the webcast that's even watching. Um, with the growth investor, I'll set a couple of follow-up questions. With the new MetaPro partnership, will you be selling PCR tests directly through MetaPro? And will they receive some sort of revenue generated from that? And, and are you still waiting for your own MDEL license? Or are you going to use MetaPro from here on out? Yeah, so the, 
a couple of questions there. So uh, the Metapro uh, relationship um, has a couple of facets. That it tends to be more on uh, them opening doors. Um, you know, the Right Honorable Sheila Copps um, and myself, you know, really we're in communication and dialogue every day. Um, and uh, she's becoming a good friend and she's a great door opener. Um, so there's a, there's a, a referral structure that, you know, if doors get open and, and we win business, then, you know, there's, there's an opportunity for them to uh, earn referral fees. Some of the other initiatives that Metapro are working on um, are kind of their own programs. And to the extent that we could be a supplier of services or a supplier of uh, test kits um, uh, to them or through them, then we would look at those opportunities as well. Um, so they're, you know, those are the kind of the two sides to, to kind of what we're doing with, uh, with Metapro Canada. Um, the MDEL situation uh, for ourselves is looking very good. Um, so we just got some recent updates. So we anticipate um, uh, being able to share that positive news um, in the very near future. And, uh, but thankfully uh, with the relationship with Metapro, we've been able to leverage uh, their MDEL status uh, so much so that product has come to Canada and I can you know, provide samples to potential partners. So, so it's, all, it's all working. In terms of the lab expansion, yeah. 3X, 3, how long will it take to deliver, install, and validate new equipment uh, to, to, scale up, to scale up your capacity, if you're ordering new equipment at all right now? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question. So in, in, the, uh, in the design plan of the expansion, one of the things that we're not doing is we are not moving any of our scientific medical equipment. Um, so we, we, there is no, so we don't, we don't need to, we don't want to. What we're doing is we're kind of, we're creating the room for all the other operational components of Chi Medical to get out of the way of the scientists and leave the scientists uh, more room to work, right. um, you know, uh, uh, more, more structure around uh, what they have for their equipment. We are adding additional uh, equipment for sure. Um, to, uh, they, they need other equipment to handle more capacity. Um, but so we're not revalidating any equipment whatsoever. It's one of the reasons why we didn't want to move uh, because if you move a piece of equipment to another address, you have to literally start the revalidation process in that new address. And that creates uh, time delays and lost opportunity costs. So this is a much more elegant solution for us. We blast a door in between the two units and we move more operational things like customer service, call center, uh, you know, um, materials handling, shipping, packaging, you know, all those other things that you have to do. And imagine you've got, you know, a thousand specimens coming your way in a day, you know, that's a lot of handling. Um, and so we want to take some of that stuff outside of the science and, and give it Agreed. into a uh, better space. It, 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 it's, it's really getting operational excellence uh, and giving the Kai team the ability to go and hire the staff they need to fulfill the demand that's upon us. Yeah, and, and you're ordering new equipment and there's now all the room in the, all, the, all the room you need to get even more equipment if you want to get there. Correct, correct. Uh, then growth that started a question about Rexall, but I think we've kind of answered everything related to Rexall in terms of where the relationship is and growth and all that. So we'll probably leave that aside. 
Razor Pants, can you please provide some details on the process of searching and recruiting physicians uh, for the clinics? What incentives are in place for established, position, for established physicians with existing client bases to move? Um, and, and, what, and, and, uh, and are physicians new to the industry presented the opportunity for recruitment? So is it new physicians? Is it current physicians with established practices? Who are you bringing in and how are you yeah. recruiting them? So we, we, one of our strengths is the ability to recruit, you know, Dr. Aviv and Dr. Jordan, um, you know, are, they, they work with the colleges, they, um, they're, they've got a, a vast network themselves. Um, I can't give any specifics about our recruiting policies. I certainly can't talk about compensation or incentives or fees. Uh, it's confidential in nature. Um, if anybody is a physician and is interested in talking to us or potentially coming on board in, in any market that we may go into, um, I would uh, recommend that you send an email to our info at empowerclinics.com and we will absolutely forward that information to our recruiting team. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's just, a, it, it, it's one of the things that our partners like most is our ability to, you know, find, recruit, sign, and, and then manage those physicians going forward. Uh, Mike Banning also had a couple more questions, but it's about the opening of Texas. We've dealt with that. Uh, uh, KaiTest.com, we've, we've dealt with that. Um, a large, we talked about the short position, so we've dealt with that. So, Mike, thanks for those questions. Um, enter a name here. Well, <laughs> that's a great, uh, a great handle. Enter a name here. Has Empower Kai submit a bid for the following? Canadian Department of National Defense, DND has require requirement to procure COVID-19 proficiency testing for 20 Canadian Armed Forces labs across Canada. Uh, are you able to comment about something like that? Yeah, so the comment is, because it's public information, is um, we have in fact registered for that bid. Um, that registration process um, has closed, and I believe the closure was yesterday. Um, what we're investigating uh, is what exactly are they looking for? It's a little bit ambiguous in the uh, preliminary information that's there. Uh, so we're, we're in email dialogue with them and uh, phone dialogue to get clarification on, are they looking for COVID-19 testing products? Are they looking for COVID-19 testing services? Are they looking for rapid kits? Um, or are they looking for someone to go into their labs and do some lab equipment validation, which is something that we don't do. It's, it wouldn't be it's not something that we would uh, even even bid for. So because of the ambiguity, we just have to get a little bit more clarification. And uh, once we have that clarification, then we'll, you know, we'll proceed accordingly. Um, Mark Boucher has gone on task, and I think we've dealt with this as well. Can you start uh, providing total COVID testing test number by month and all other Chi Lab test numbers monthly? And I think you mentioned that earlier that you got to be careful you don't get into we do we do guidance and all that so i think yeah. we've dealt with that right yeah correct it's it's a it's a bit of a tricky subject you know the the securities lawyers and i have talked about that quite extensively so you know we really have to be careful um the you know the the one way that it ultimately becomes visible is when we file our financial statements you know so though that unit disclosure will be there um and it's at that point that because it would be public information then, I can talk about what it was historically. Where we get ourselves into a bit of trouble potentially is forecasting it. 
um, at this stage um, in the market that we're in. Enter name here also had, man, he's this, no, they, I shouldn't say he, cause I'm not sure who it is. Health Canada recently amended the status of API rapid antigen test to awaiting response from manufacturer. Can you elaborate on what the inquiry is for and whether we can expect an approval in the near future days or weeks? Yeah, it's tough. Huh? Health Canada um, is, is a tough one to kind of navigate through. Um, you know, they, they just, as an example with our MDEL application, they, they simply would not commit to any timeframe whatsoever. Um, the Health Canada submission um, that we're uh, the uh, registered Canadian correspondent on uh, through API Pharma uh, is, you know, it, it's positive that the status, you know, has improved, you know, awaiting information. Um, Dr. DeGenero and I, Dr. DeGenero is the uh, founder and president of uh, API Pharma. Uh, we're actually messaging um, over the last couple of days on, on a few of these topics. And so I will, uh, I don't have the answer to the question right now, uh, but, you know, once I get a response, uh, then I can I can update. Uh, I certainly do not know um, what a timeline would look like for Health Canada to approve it. Um, I do know that there were, I believe, two rapid antigen tests that were recently approved. So perhaps they're starting to get through. Perhaps kind of the political uh, aspect of it that was delaying rapid tests is starting to ease as you know we all begin to understand that screening using rapid antigen tests is positive. It's, it's good to have that. It can help um, the scenario. It can help old age homes. It can help care centers and hospitals and, and businesses. So perhaps that's what's happening. And, and maybe we might get lucky and get some, some positive news out of this. Okay. So we're down to our last two questions, but I did miss one up top. So I just want to circle back because I just realized when we're hopping around there trying to group some questions together. Uh, one of them was the Reopen Vancouver initiative with Rob Anson at Loop Insights. Yeah. How's that going? And have you guys thought about taking that on the road internationally? And they specifically asked, I can't remember who it was, sorry, because further up, like Reopen New Zealand, for example. Sure. Uh, how's Reopen Vancouver going? And what are the chances that something like that could be ported into other jurisdictions if it all goes well? Yeah, I, I think the initiative definitely has a lot of merit. Uh, the, you know, we still continue to see the, you know, federal and provincial sort of government responses um, is really just about setting policy. Uh, there, there seems to be a struggle to provide solutions and, you know, private sector companies like Loop Insights and ourselves have complementary solutions to, you know, reopen, you know, get a market back open. And we've had to go and talk to the you know hotel chains talk to the airports the airlines talk to um sporting venues and and leagues um to you know get their willingness to help support us on this um and it's difficult because you know many of these sectors the fundamental response is we don't have any money right now um and and it's truthful because you know they, they they've been shattered economically um, and the government is not providing funds um, to help create a pilot per se. And, you know, we need to generate data. You know, we need to prove the proof of concept that you could do a bubble event in an arena for a concert uh, and have advanced testing and have contact tracing and have it all tied into the wallet pass 
and actually make it work on a controllable pilot. And we see some of those things taking place in the US um, more so than we're seeing in Canada. So we just wanna to continue to drive the agenda. Uh, we continue to have the conversations uh, with the hope that we can get to some forms of a, a pilot uh, with participation from hotels, arenas, uh, restaurant groups, whatever the case may be, um, so that we can show our uh, ministers of health and show the federal government that these private sector companies do in fact have uh, viable solutions. Snake Babu, we answered questions one, two, and three for you. What's next thing on the horizon? We've covered that pretty intently with everything. When will we know the results of the RFPs? And is there any feedback from the regulars for the API? So we've, API test. So we've answered those three. Uh, the, the fourth question they had, uh, we haven't touched on. How do you feel about the new five minute test that was developed in Edmonton? Uh, well, I don't know a lot about it, uh, frankly. Yeah, I don't know much about it. So that. it's, you know, I, I certainly can, can go take a look at it. Um, there are uh, certainly a variety of tests, testing systems. We're looking at the, you know, the cube systems, the you know, sort of desktop PCR system. Um, there's there's some pros, there's some cons. You know, the, the pros are it's, it's you know it's that point of care. Uh, the cons are you know you can only do eight samples at a time, and it it still takes about ninety minutes. So it's it's not very scalable, right? You'd have to have hundreds of those units to, um, and and hundreds of med techs to administer uh, just to you know get you know some some volume. Yeah, be an such army. Such as such as an event bubble. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's difficult. You know, uh, getting these viable solutions uh, to market, you know, is definitely tough. Um, but we're going to continue. We think that our uh, you know Kai COVID nineteen you know saliva test uh, home based test is a is a real winner. Uh, we think that's a product that that people will understand and, and will utilize. Uh, we think the brand is is nice, and um, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to getting feedback from people. Last question, and I'm smiling. <laughs> Norwich Nick Wilson. This is a great question. What a great way to end it off. Question for Steve. I'm not selling a single share. My question is, should I name my yacht the Thank You Steve or Paid For by Steve? We believe in you. <laughs> well, 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 thank you. I, I, I'll look forward to uh, whatever that answer is. Uh, you, you can send me a photo and... Uh, um, uh, on, on your on your champagne uh, christening, and uh, uh, watch you sail away and, and enjoy enjoy the spoils. So uh, uh, no, nothing would make me happier than to to see that day come along for uh, for any of our shareholders. So uh, let's let's stay the course on this journey. Um, this too shall pass, as they say, and uh, let's not forget how great our fundamentals are. Um, look what we're working with today compared to where we were just a quarter or two ago. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really quite astonishing. So um, thank you everybody for your constant support. Uh, I'm here, I'm listening. We're paying attention to you, paying attention to uh, all the noise that's out there. And I look forward to, you know, not talking about uh, short attacks and things like that uh, in the future. Uh, but I guess it's part of our journey at this point in time. And as someone who's been through this many times, if, if you believe in a company, then you don't worry about short-term spikes and dips. You just stay the course with the company. That's how I've made, thankfully, a very grateful, several you know big wins in my life. And, uh, and hopefully 
that's something all you're going to determine at home. Steve, thanks so much, man, for joining us today. Great, uh, great Q&A, went over a lot of stuff. Most important, though, it's amazing to see how strong the company is. Can't wait to see what you've done the last 24 months is, is, was Herculean. And now with all the divisions going, cash behind you, on, you know, fantastic resources. I can't wait to see where we're going to be six, 12 months from now. And thanks for being here. Great, George. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate this uh, platform. For everybody at home, remember, uh, especially during times like this where there's a little bit of uh, shaking going on and you need great verified information, make sure to take advantage of the Empire Clinic verified form on Agorcom. That's the place where you see Empower's IR people. You've seen Steve there. They've got the check mark beside their name. Uh, just be wary. You know, we respect all of the forms too, but we do know that they're not verified. So there are people who say things that, you know, can't be verified. They have ulterior motives. And if you really want to get the answers to your questions, that's where you post them and you get them straight from the horse's mouth. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a fantastic day. See you next time.